the Southcliff Podcast. We're glad you've joined us. Dr. Elliot Higgins joins us today with this week's sermon. Let's listen. We're going to continue in a series that I began a long time ago called Refocus. Every time our senior pastor is out, I, I try to join in whatever series he has, but this series I began, and, and when we're between series, I just go back to this. And I find it interesting how the Lord uses this and kind of mixes it up through the year in order to bring our eyes back to focus on him. Now, this particular passage, I believe that God has a question for you right now. That question is this. If, if God were bringing something to you, to a, a promise, a gift, the question would be whether you take it or whether you leave it. And here's the question that God has. If God were to offer you this very moment, which I think that he is, if God were to offer you a life of which you lived in the full power of God in everything you do, from the biggest of things to the smallest of things, the fullness of God and his power would work through you. Would you accept that kind of a promise or would you leave it laying on the table? People of God, he's gonna want an answer. The question is whether you will accept it or whether you leave it. The second question I have for you is this. If God were to give you an identity, a purpose in your life that's larger than anything you can imagine, and he were to offer that to you this morning, would you accept it or would you leave it on the table? If God were to go one step further and he was to promise you and guarantee it and lay it on the table, a life that produces more kingdom fruit than any pastor or missionary could ever dream of doing on their own, but he promises it to you, you. Oftentimes we view that there are certain kinds of people that produce a spiritual fruit, a kingdom impact, and there's others of us that don't, but Jesus says that you have to refocus your attention. Sometimes the greatest among you will come in last place. And the least of you that think, well, you'll have no kingdom impact, those are the ones that produce the most. And God is looking at you this morning and he is asking you this question. Do you want to live in the full power of God in everything you do? Do you want a purpose in an identity that is as unique as your fingerprint that the world has never seen before? And do you want to live a life that when you breathe your last, you have made a difference in this life and the one to come for all of eternity? This is the question God has for you today. And if your heart burns for that, I want to live with the full power of God with that purpose and produce a kingdom impact in this life and the next. If your heart burns for that this morning, God's heart burns for that for you as well. And today what he's gonna do in this passage of scripture is he's going to show us what God is doing. 
as if he lays his cards on the table and says, this is what I have for you. This is what I offer you. So he shows us in this passage what God is up to and what his plan is. But he doesn't just show us what his plan is. He shows us how to engage this in our life. It is God's desire that you do that and live to the fullest that he created you for. This text is what shows us how to do that. If you would, turn with me in scripture to John chapter 15. We're gonna be in verses one through six. Here's one interesting thing about this text. If you were with us last week, Dr. March preached in chapter 15, but he hung out in verse seven and eight of this passage. That was what was unique to me is that the Lord led both of us to come back to this passage, each little different section of it, but it made my eyebrows raise a moment and say, God led us both to this. Perhaps he wants us to linger here a little longer. That, to me, is exciting. Let me tell you the context of this passage as you're turning, John chapter 15. Jesus has finished the Passover meal with his disciples in the upper room. Judas has left at this point. He's going to get the soldiers to come and betray our Lord. Now, what is also taking place, they have left and they're going down the valley and up on a mountain where we see that Jesus is praying a little later. He's praying right before he's betrayed. And one of the things that happens here is Jesus knows that he is about to die. Darkness is all over, literally and figuratively and spiritually here. Everything is dark and he's looking at his disciples and he knows that in a matter of hours, it's somewhere around midnight at this point, by 6 a.m. he's going to be arrested and by 9 a.m. he's going to be hanging on a cross. His disciples are going to scatter. They're going to wonder what comes next. And it's in the midst of this darkness that Jesus makes a statement to refocus their attention, to refocus their attention on him. That's where we come together today, is God is bringing our attention back to him. I don't know the level of hurt in your life that you brought here today. But I am willing to bet that you may be going through challenges that you never dreamed you would. Perhaps they hurt worse than you ever thought that they would. You wonder what to do next. You look around and say, no one else seems to be going through this. And it's in moments like that, people of God, that God does the most magnificent work. And he reminds us of that by pulling our attention back to him. That is the context of this verse. Let's read it together. As we go through, you're gonna see God's plan, what he's up to, and then you're gonna see how he engages us in this plan. Verse one, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. I'm gonna stop right there and we're gonna look 
back at the first part and work our way through this. This first verse is rich. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Remember the context. He is walking away from this Passover meal, going to the garden with his disciples to pray. His betrayal is imminent, and he doesn't just talk about the weather here. What he says is, I am. This is how he begins his conversation, and it's worthy for us to see this. He is drawing their focus, refocusing back on him. I am. Those of ancient Jewish days would have recognized this kind of a a statement. It brings our mind back to Moses when God sent him to go free the people of Israel from Pharaoh in Egypt. And he says, Moses questioned God. He said, well, what what do I tell them if they ask me which God sends me? Who, Who are you? And God says, I am. I am what I am. In other words, I am the only God. There is no other God that you can go to. There is no other life force. There is nothing outside of me. I am everything. So Jesus begins this by saying, I am. Focus back on me. But watch what he says. He's painting a word picture for us to see what he's up to. We can see what God is doing. I am, focus on me, the true vine. Now what is a vine here and why is it true? I don't grow vines at my house, I grow weeds mostly. But what I do know is that these guys would be seeing these vines as they walk through this agricultural land. Most likely, maybe a grapevine that he's referencing, and it's possible that they're walking by these, but they would understand this completely. Now, what a vine does for us in Texas who mostly grow weeds, the vine is like that of a tree trunk for a plant, right? So it brings a strength to this plant, holds everything up. It is the most valuable asset here, holding it up. It also is responsible for bringing the nutrients up from the soil, from the root system, and the water up. So when the sun comes up and it is scorching hot, you're in Texas, you know what I'm talking about. This this vine is pulling up everything needed for this plant to flourish, even in the harshest of conditions, because it is pulling this up. So Jesus is directing their attention to him, I am, and he's using, painting this word picture, this vine imagery, I am that. I am the strength of your life. I am bringing the nutrients and the water, and everything you need as a person of God, everything you need to thrive in the most darkest and dire of circumstances. I am life in this case. But he says he's not just the strong vine or the good vine. He says, I am the true vine. Now, why does he use this word true? Well, true is contrasting that of false. True is contrasting counterfeit, something that's not quite right. And what he's doing is he is showing us his identity, that he's bringing life, but he is the only one who does this. Everything else is false or counterfeit. And when we somehow try to attach our identity in anything else in this life, we will never live the life God destined for us in the first place that he created for us. 
We will never bear that kingdom fruit. We will never be able to work through the challenges that life throws at us because we don't have the sustaining power of this vine. Here's what I mean by that. Many of us draw our identity from something. It may be finances, it may be education. But what I wanna do is drill down a little deeper. We may have more influence on our finances or education level than other factors we draw our identity from. For an example, if the government wants to know something or your doctor's office or dentist, they're gonna ask you these questions. How old are you? What's, what's your age? What is your ethnicity, your race? What is your gender? These three things, this, these are things that we may draw our identity from, but listen, every one of these identifiers, they're the most basic of basic for us, it's kind of a no-brainer, but every one of these are absolutely divisive right now and will continue to be because they are not our identity the way the Lord set it up. What do I mean by that? I am a millennial. I know, somebody in here is a little eager right now thinking, oh my gosh, there's a millennial. See what I mean? I had no choice in how old I am. But yet there is a conflict in age. It can be divisive. Same thing with the gender or even race. What difference does the amount of melanin in our skin producing pigments, somehow this is divisive with something we have no choice over the matter. This is how God created us, but yet we see it being such a divisive issue, and it shouldn't be. Even the most basic of identifiers that we have are divisive. And so Jesus says, listen, you have got to focus on me. You will not find your identity in anything. I don't care how basic you drill down to try to find your identity. It will be divisive, and it will leave you wanting. And you will never, never live this life the way that I created it. I am the true vine. I'm the way that you find this. But to continue his word picture that he's painting for us, he's drawing our attention to him, his work. He's the vine pulling up this this sustaining power for us. But then he brings in another person of the Trinity, the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We see all of them at work in this text, but he's naming his father specifically here. He says he is the vine dresser. So Jesus is the vine. His role is to bring this this nutrient and the strength and the the survivability and this flourishing life into your your life. But then he says, my father is the the vine dresser. Now, these guys would know what that means. The vine dresser, what he does, we see some of it in scripture here, but he brings fertilizer and mixes it in with the soil so that this plant stays healthy. He brings water to make sure that it has everything it needs to thrive. But what we see in scripture also is that he is pruning this plant. Now, for what reason? The vine dresser's primary motive is to make sure this vine is healthy so that it produces as much fruit as it possibly can. So Jesus is giving a bit of a a visual aid for us to see what God is doing. His intent is to give you a vibrant life filled with the power of God. 
And God's full focus is on the health of this entire thing that you may bear as much fruit as you possibly can. This is that stuff that I'm talking about that you are able to impact this world in the one coming, the next life in all of eternity. God is working tirelessly to make sure you are everything he's created you to be. This is inside the mind of our, of our Lord. I am the true vine and the Father is the vine dresser. So with this imagery, we see how God, his focus is on developing us to bear much fruit for the kingdom. This is God's design for you. And he's wanting to focus our attention back on him that we may also be a part of this. Watch what he says in verse two. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. We see that this is the role of that vine dresser. He's wanting to make sure that it bears fruit. Already you're clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Now, what we recognize here, Jesus is giving us a bit of a warning. And he's saying, listen, this is God's design is that you are healthy, that you're drawing life from God, and that you're able to produce everything God created you to produce. But he gives us this imagery of saying, listen, it is possible that you are trying to find your identity or you are doing something outside of what God has created you for. Oftentimes we see this in our finances. I want to produce X number of dollars and achieve this rank or do these things. And God says, you only have one life, only one. And what you do with it and where you focus your attention makes all the difference. If you wanna live that life of power and have that identity that only God can give you and if you wanna impact eternity in large, big ways, then it's not gonna be outside of me. You've got to focus on me. It's not a matter of church attendance. He doesn't care whether you're coming to church regularly or not. He cares whether you're fully connected with him whether you are following him in obedience. And this is what he's telling us. He says, don't waste your life. Don't waste your time on these limbs. Other passages of scripture show us that God puts all of our life in a fire, in a furnace. And he says either one of two things are gonna come out. It's either gonna burn up like wood, hay, and stubble. In this case, this, these branches that are attached, something else. Or it's gonna come out like gold and silver and precious gems. So he's giving us that warning, you must look at what it is that you're connecting your life to. I went camping some weeks ago and one of the things that I was wrestling with when I look around, and something that maybe you do too in a different way. I remember looking around at these mobile homes and travel trailers wheeling by my tent and I remember thinking, if you were a provider, Elliot, your family wouldn't be sweating out here in the hot, you'd be living in one of those things. This, and, and I'm serious, I, it made me stop and think, well, well, where am I? And God is like, no, you cannot put your attention on anything else. It's not a matter of that. And I don't know where you are or what hang up you have to draw your identity from, but it's a waste. It is an absolute waste outside of our Lord outside here. So he's drawing our attention back to him. Now I wanna be very clear before we move to the next part and we see how he engages us. This is not a question of your salvation. This passage is not a passage that talks about whether you can lose your salvation. There are numerous passages in scripture that indicate otherwise, but this passage, there's two reasons why this is not the case. 
Number one, the context. He's addressing his disciples. These are guys that, that scripture itself says they're the foundation of the church, Christ himself being the cornerstone. It's not a matter of their salvation here. This is a matter of the efforts of their life, their works, what they produce. You can either go with the Lord or you can go away from him. And either way, you're going to see either fruit or that of being cut off and nothing comes from it. Secondly, we see in verse three, Jesus says this, already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. In other words, you are righteous, you are clean before God because of the work that I have done. So he's putting them at ease, he's saying listen, I am the true vine, I'm bringing this life to you. The Father is concerned about the vibrancy of this plant and he's concerned about the fruit, and so am I, and I'm going to give you the opportunity to connect and engage and live that life, but I don't want you to be sidetracked and think that somehow you can lose salvation. That is not correct, but you can lose a life mission. You can lose a, a life that impacts the world around you. You can lose all of that, and he gives us that word of warning. Verse four He's painted that word picture for us, what God is doing and what that healthy plant looks like, what it looks like to be attached to it. Verse four shows us how we engage this in our life. Remember those three questions I asked you at the beginning. Do you wanna live a life with the full power of God flowing through every detail, from the largest of things to the smallest of things? Do you wanna live a life with power and, and a purpose and identity? Do you wanna live a life that bears more fruit than any pastor or missionary could do on their own? This part shows us how that happens. That is God's design. It's almost as if we have our engines revving and we're ready to put it in gear and right now is when he does. This is where he drops the clutch and everything moves. Watch with me in verse four. He says this, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Jesus says it three times. Abide in me, abide in me, abide in me. Anytime scripture repeats something like that, it is a worthy thing to pause and look at. Jesus is making sure that we see the imagery here of this vine, something these guys would understand, and he's saying this is what God is about in your life. Now the way that you engage that into your life, which is what God wants, is to abide, to abide, to abide. What is abide? Abide in that language means to remain in, to dwell in, to stay connected to, to abide, these are all descriptors of what this word is. Now here's how we can do this practically. This is key and pivotal, pivotal for you today. Anytime I cross the road, there's a bit of a danger, is it not? That you could get hit by something because you're not looking. You have to look both ways, right? It's dangerous. The world we live in is in fact very dangerous for you as well as a believer. Satan rules this world. He has dominion of it because we gave him the keys to it years ago in the garden. He is working to steal, kill, and destroy. That's the world we live in and so God is saying in order to survive you have to abide. How do we do that? Here's two ways that may help us do this. 
Number one, we look both ways. The first way we look, as I like to put it, look backwards. We're looking behind us. Now, how do we do that? Looking behind us, this is, we are looking at the faithfulness of God in our life. God has been faithful to bring us this far. I, I wager a bet that the longer you have been a believer, you're looking back and just in awe of how much God has done to bring you to the spot that you're at today. How the plans you had for yourself may have changed completely. And, but yet, it has become better because of God's involvement. I can't tell you how many times when I look back that I see where I thought everything was hopeless, that this will never change, and I look back and I see how God has walked with me through that and made me so much stronger and better and able to accomplish more things because of his goodness and his faithfulness. We look backwards at his faithfulness in our life, and we remember that. But we have to look another way, and that's forwards. We see in the vine, we're, we're going back and hanging on to him. We know he's been faithful. He's the source of our strength. But looking forward at this fruit at what God is coming to, but we don't know quite what that looks like. So the way that we look into the future is through obedience. We're looking both ways. God's faithfulness in the past and his faithfulness in the future through our obedience. This is key. I don't know what's going to happen in the future at all. I have no grasp of that, but what I do know is that I have a choice to be obedient to God's commands. Scripture is full of these kinds of things. If you look back at Daniel being thrown in the lion's den, he had no comprehension of what was about to happen. He had no idea how God was gonna respond or if he even was, <clears throat> but what he did know is that he was going to follow God in obedience and he got thrown into a lion's den. From there, we see how God moved and was faithful, just like he has always been, and now Daniel comes back out of there with this story, and he can look back. Now, understand this. This is what's fun about looking in the future with obedience. How much fruit has come from the branch of Daniel? We're still talking about this for thousands of years, long past his lifespan hundreds of generations of people. That's what's fun about following the Lord in obedience. I don't know the future of this. That's just like Daniel didn't know the future of his choice. But yet, how many people have found strength in that story? We can find also that of King David. We can see it also in Paul. We can see it in so many different stories, both looking in our past to how they just followed God in obedience, and then we see his faithfulness years later, and God continues to bless their vine, their branch, for hundreds of generations. This is what I mean when God is saying, abide in me, look back at my faithfulness, look forward at what I'm planning to do, but listen, follow me in obedience, and I will always honor that. This is how we connect and engage this. In verse five, he puts all the pieces together. So he shows us this word picture. I am the true vine. The father is the vine dresser. This is the life that I have created for you. And I want you to live this life of power. And I want you to live this life of identity. I want you to live this life that bears much fruit. And the way that we do that is abiding 
is abiding in him. Verse five, he repeats this. I am the vine and you are the branches. God's plan is for you to be a part of this entire thing. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. Here's an interesting thing. This seems kind of ominous, kind of threatening to us. He's gonna cut branches off and throw them in a fire. Listen, I don't think that we should view it in that same way of a negative. This is a positive thing. You're looking at me interesting like, all right, I don't see that. Here's what this looks like. Some weeks ago, I went to a restaurant with my family. My little boy, Elijah, he's about a year and a half, almost two in November. And they gave him a coloring piece of paper which has lines on it that we obviously can't color in at all. But they gave him a package of two crayons and he was excited to see this. He grabbed it and he began coloring on this paper but the crayons are wrapped in plastic. And he gets angry at this. It's not working and he's trying harder and nothing is coming out of it. I'm just trying to get him buckled before I even deal with this issue, but he's already trying to get started on this thing. And he's getting more and more frustrated. I see this, once I get him buckled, the next thing I do is remove this from his hand, but he pulls it away from me and tries to keep me from getting these package of crayons. I eventually succeed, get these things, I peel the thing off, pull it out of the plastic, and give him these two crayons, but in that split few seconds, he has lost all control of himself. He is so angry that I would have removed these from him that he is now making a scene. Now, I'm not angry with him. He's a year and a half. We've all been there and done that. But in his immaturity, if you get down to the bottom denominator, my son doubted the goodness of his father. He saw that I was removing these crayons and I was taking away his joy in the things he wanted to do and all of the things that he wanted to color, I was removing this from him with no intention of giving them back. Why would I do that? Many of you would say, listen, I, would, I can buy a thousand crayons and never know the difference in my wallet. It's not a matter of removing this, it's a matter of removing this plastic so that you can be filled with joy. You can do the things that you're created to do and be creative. You can go about and just live life and be joyful. This is the heart that I had for my son. I love my boy more than my own life. The last thing I wanna do is take away a couple of crayons. But sometimes we doubt the goodness of our heavenly father. We doubt that. He goes to remove something and we cling to it like a package of crayons and plastic. And we say, no, this is what I want and I'm going to do it, but they will not work unless somebody removes this. And God is not issuing a threat. It may end up that way when we're at the end of our life and we've wasted it, but God is saying, listen, it is like a plastic around these crowns and I am removing these branches from your life because they lead nowhere. You cannot accomplish what I have created you for. You cannot live a life of power and purpose and spiritual fruit. You can't color on that page unless I remove these things. That 
is what we have to recognize. This is not a negative thing, the removal of the branches. This is God saying, listen, you can waste your life. You can hang on to your crayons all day long in that plastic wrapper and you'll never live the life of joy that I've created you to have. I love you more than my own life. Everything that God gives us is good. He, you can't outgood God. You can't outgive God. You can't outdo the mercy of God. You can't outdo the grace of God. You can't outlove God. God is faithful more than you'll ever imagine. And he's drawing our attention back to him. And he's saying, I designed you to live in me. This life of the full power of God is focused on you. That you can bear much fruit in the kingdom more than you ever dreamed of. That you can have a, a sustaining life that in the darkest of circumstances where death is practically dripping off the pages of scripture, the light of God is shining forth and producing in us the full power of God, an identity and a kingdom fruit that cannot be matched. Do not doubt the goodness of your heavenly father. The way that we engage that in our life is simply abide. We look backwards at his faithfulness. And we look forwards not knowing what that holds, but we follow in obedience. I can't see what's coming next, but I do know that I can be obedient in whatever it is. And through that, I am drawing power from our Lord. He is working through me with the full power of God himself. He is giving me an identity that I can't find anywhere else. And he is promising, it's a guarantee, it's not an if. He is promising a spiritual harvest in your life that cannot be matched anywhere else. The question that I posed at the very beginning, God is posing you and really demands an answer. Do you want to live a life with the full power of God moving through everything you do? Yes or no? Do you want to live a life with an identity that God gives you that, listen, there is no other you that has ever existed or ever will. God created you, and do you want to grasp that identity that God has created you for? Do you want to produce and make an impact in this world and the one to come? Yes or no? The question now is, will you choose to abide? If you want that, we must Abide. So here's what I'm gonna ask us to do. God wants that answer from you. What I'm gonna ask, it may be just a question of a heart issue. There's something that you are, are clinging to, one of these branches that are coming out that you're saying, listen, God isn't honoring this. This is sinful. This is something that I'm drawing my identity in. It may be a workplace thing. It may be a, a family issue. You're longing to be married or, or have a, a, some partner, something. You're longing to, to have a boyfriend, girlfriend. Here's the point. You may be finding your identity in something else, and God is saying, you have got to find your identity in me. I am the God who brings joy, and maybe today you need to lay that out and say, Lord, I'm ready for you to prune that. I've been hanging on to this. Maybe today you're looking at struggles in your life that really had nothing to do with you, and you're wondering, God, where are you? And, and today you just need to spend time in prayer and remember God's faithfulness. Remember how he has walked with you in the past, and you take your troubled heart and lay it out there and rest on his goodness and trust the goodness of the Lord. 
whatever that is, I'm gonna ask that you stand with me, if you will. We have a, a song that we're going to sing. Sing with me, if you like, but here's what I want you to do, is either make a prayer to allow God to remove the branches in your life that you know do not connect in Him, or number two, you're connected, but you're hurting, and God says you just need time to reflect on the great I am. I am the source of your strength, and you need to remember that. Spend time giving that to him in prayer. If you haven't made faith in Jesus a priority in your life, you know who he is. Listen, even the demons in hell know who he is, and they probably know him better than you do. They've seen him on his throne. But God says it's not a matter of knowing me, it's a matter of surrendering. And maybe you're here today, even online, you've never done that. You've been in church all your life, but you have never said, Lord, I'm ready to abide in you, to live in you and surrender completely. This may be what you need to do today. I'll be standing down front. If you need these steps to pray, you do that. If you wanna pray where you are, that's fine too. Online, if there's anything I can do for you, come meet with me here but let's do business with the Lord. From everyone at Southcliff Church, thank you for joining us today. If you would like more information about Southcliff Church, please go to southcliff.com to share a testimony of how God has encouraged you through this ministry. Send an email to scpodcast at southcliff.com. That's scpodcast.com at southcliff.com. Click the Give button on our webpage to discover how this ministry is supported. Your financial gifts help accomplish the mission God has given us.